What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Friday, May 26th, and you got the three of us. That's Jack McMullen, Arm Layton, and I'm Peter Apple. And this is the Just Baseball Show brought to you by BetMGM. Use the King of Sportsbooks and use code JBFANS when you download. Wager $10 on any MLB game and receive $100 in bonus bets. And BetMGM is helping out all MLB bettors by giving out bonus bets every Wednesday and Sunday. Or actually, that was Saturday. But it's, it feels like every single day. Wednesday and Saturday, you're getting bonus bets. On this episode, we are talking three standout pitchers. We all gathered three each, but we also have the Suck Bag Award for the guy who's having a really tough May to start. Gentlemen, it's Friday. I feel good. I'm in the Just Baseball studio. I'm wearing this nice shirt we talked about in the last pod from Zara. Yeah. How are you guys? Uh, good. Uh, I love the Zara men's collection. It's something that I got to hit more often. Mm-hmm. I just got a text from my brother who is a pedestrian baseball fan. Like he asked me a couple of years ago if Nolan Arenado was good. And I said yes. And just kind of put that to bed. So that tells valid, you like, que- valid question, valid, valid question. But this was when he was in Colorado. So the answer was like, yes, uh, absolutely. He's good. Um, but he just texted me this afternoon. What are your thoughts on Zach Hample? And I have yet to respond. How should I respond to that? 
he he did like a decent marketing move. Did you see he caught another Cedric Mullins home run and, and he said, gave the they gave the ball to the other one, but like dude, no, he, he, he gave the ball he gave the ball to Little Man, I guess. And Little Man is this yeah. uh very popular social media personality who plays MLB the show and his favorite character in MLB the show is Cedric Mullins. Is it least favorite character? Like Mullins keeps hitting nukes against him or something? No, but I think Mullins is his guy. Like Mullins okay. is his guy. It's like game respects game, you know? Got it. Got it. And he did that cool marketing move. But overall, I think Zach Campbell is one of the worst people in well, the Major League also, Baseball scope. Also, there was a video before that, I think, that was like, they're like, give it, to, give it to Little Man. Give it to Little Man. He's like, who's that? No. It was the first home run. And yeah. then I guess like, it, it, guys – blessed enough to get another chance at Cedric Mullins with little man there and, and gives it to him. I was thinking about this recently because I wasn't going to go out of my way to bring it up on the podcast, but like, obviously everything he does is annoying and, and, you know, stealing souvenirs essentially from kids. is pretty weird. Um, but <laughs> I do feel like it's gotten to the point. We were talking about guys being like, so underrated that they become overrated almost in a way where like, it was like, fuck that guy for a while. But now I feel like he's getting the fuck that guy treatment. Like he did something like absolutely like unforgivably bad, like should be in prison. Like, I think this guy stinks. I think he's he's an asshole and I think he's a weirdo. But like, he's not like a criminal. He's not a scum. Like, he's not an absolute scumbag. But like, he's getting the treatment of like full blown, like you are like legitimately scum of the earth. And I don't know if he's scum of the earth. Like, fuck him. But like scum of the earth, I don't know. I'm I I'm, I'm with you. Um, real quick, Mr. Beast gets that same exact treatment. The YouTuber that does all like the extravagant. Does he really? Yeah. So what? That's one of my favorite trends on Twitter. Is like whenever this guy posts a new video, there are haters that just come out. Like his last one was, <laughs> we we helped a thousand deaf people here again. And somebody quote tweeted and said, I hope you rotten hell. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. it's very funny. The amount of people that are just hated for existing now it's like is probably hate. higher than it's ever been. Meme it's hate. Like That's Nickelback exactly was a big meme hatred. Ross was a big yeah, meme. Russ was a huge like, Russ isn't that bad. Like he's fine. Like Yeah. yeah that, that's I, classic. So, I totally agree with you, Aram. Like he's Zach Campbell's getting banned from minor league stadiums, yeah, like, like on Twitter. And it's just for engagement. Like you're just dragging this guy for engagement. Like like, like the That's pickles, where I draw the line. That's the pickles the are banning Zach Campbell. What are you doing? That's for a engagement for a tweet. But like Hample reads that he's like, what did uh, what did I do? Yeah, am I kind of a dickhead? Am I running around stealing balls from kids? At the end of the day, they are home run balls. So I agree with you. Fuck him. But at the same time, like there, there's like a there's a there's a lot. He's in the like fuck you, you're annoying and weird category. Like why are Braves fans piece of shit category? Why are Braves fans celebrating Marcelo Zuna? Like he hit a home run, then looked back at Will Smith. Like Marcelo Zuna is by far worse. He's in a than different fuck Zach you Campbell. category. Yeah, yeah, I, I we, agree. Did we just compare Zach Hamlin Marcelo Zuna? Because maybe we are perpetrators of of this. <laughs> Let, let's get into uh best pitchers of May. Let's just okay. let's just transition into best Hard pitchers transition. of May. Hard yeah. transition. We're not even gonna make it smooth. We're just getting the hell out of that conversation. Right. So we all brought three pitchers that we wanted to highlight in the month of May that have just been excellent so far. But then of course we have the suck bag award for the guy who has not had a good May. And then we'll end the show with some of the best pitching matchups and we'll make some picks again, courtesy of our friends at BetMGM. I'll start us off with the number one guy, and that's number one by ERA, 
which is Michael Waka of the San Diego Padres, 0.36 ERA in May. And he's often a guy who falls into the Chad innings eater category where he says his peripheral should retire. Now, 0.36 ERA, 475 XFIP. Yeah, not ideal. But how about a 2.60 or FIP in May, 3-0 record over 25 innings pitched. The only run he allowed was to the Twins. Three shutout performances against the Reds, the Royals, and a revenge game against the Boston Red Sox. We were very worried about Michael Walker, and yes, there are peripherals that say he'll struggle down the line, but let's give him the shine now. He has been dominant in May. So here's my thing with Waka. And, you know, there's always going to be those pitchers who outperform the peripherals. We always talk about that. And I think, you know, Bryce Elder's trending in that regard on, on Twitter. You know, it's becoming like a, a talking point about like the anti-stat balls. cast, pro stat, which, which is just dumb. Like nothing's perfect. There's going to be get some guys who slip through the cracks. It's good to acknowledge them. And, and Bryce Elder's one of them. I think Michael Waka, you know, because we look at what he did over 127 innings last year. And the underlying stats had us a little bit worried about this year. And now you look at the numbers, the surface level stats after the month of May that he's had are pretty much on par and the underlying stats are pretty much on par. So maybe this is a guy that, you know, is always going to be a mid three ZRA guy or not always, but can you know, count on to be a mid three ZRA guy and the peripherals will always be something he outperforms. Like I think walk is another month of this from me kind of accepting uh, he's always just going to outperform the underlying stats. Yeah, there's something to me about Waka that screams this guy pitches to the situation a bit more than many. And I think that that's something that a veteran pitcher will do in the latter half of their career. Like I think Adam Wainwright at this point is pitching to a situation, right, where it's, yeah, sometimes it's bombs away, but like he's not going to let up that bomb in a pivotal situation. Um, I I think that Waka is kind of cut from that cloth to a lesser, less notable degree, right, where... I bet if you showed him the bubbles, he doesn't care. Couldn't, he uh, wouldn't give a shit. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, I don't mean that in a bad way on either side. Like, oh, this guy's an idiot because he doesn't care about the metrics, or you know, the metrics are bad and this guy just gets out. So I'm just saying he screams, "I don't care, I don't allow runs." Like that's his aura, and I think that he's doing that really well. He's in the get outs category and his fastball like grades out metrically, like not very good. But at the same time, opponents are hitting 172 against it. Opponents are hitting 214 against his changeup. Like that changeup has been his bread and butter now for a long time. And like he can work off those two pitches. Now, are any of his other pitches that good? Like his curveballs perform pretty well this year. I think he he can he's a command guy. Like, he's also not a guy who's just walking the world, right? 6% walk rate, basically, his since 2020. So he throws strikes, he fills up the zone. It's not exciting stuff, and he allows up some hard contact, but he keeps the ball on the ground. He's just like one of those guys who you can pencil in as a 4-2 ERA guy over 180 innings. It's extremely valuable. Like, we give those guys shit sometimes, but if you, there's not a lot of guarantees among starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. And like Michael Walker being that guy is so important, especially for the Padres, as Blake Snell has fallen down completely. You, Darvish, either looks like the greatest pitcher alive or he really struggles. And Musgrove is off to a tough year. Like Michael Walker, we made fun of him when the Padres signed him, has arguably been the best pitcher in their rotation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is nuts. Who, 
Who you got, Arm? Who's your uh, who's your guy in May so, that you're looking at? I gotta go. I'm gonna go with a guy that like because I feel like we're not gonna talk about him a lot the rest of the year because this might not last. So I want to give him some shine while we can. Dane Dunning has had a wonderful May. <laughs> it's an absolutely wonderful May. And the last five starts, or specifically four starts, because he, he was out of the bullpen for the most part. I think he made a spot start. And then over the last few games, and specifically in the month of May, he's transitioned to the rotation. I'll just take you through these four starts against the Angels. Five innings, two hits, no runs, three Ks, one walk. Goes to Seattle. Six innings, two runs, uh, one walk, five Ks. And then another six inning, one run ball, no walks, four Ks against the Braves. The Braves, like to do that to the Braves is really impressive, especially the Braves right now. And then he put out another quality start against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I don't know how this is going to last. I, I have no idea. I'm not going to pretend to like break down Dane Dunning and say, oh, this guy's going to, you know, this guy figured it out. You know, he, he was once a highly regarded arm. He is good enough to get out to the big league level. He's going to be sinker cutter. And I think that's what he's really kind of found. Weak contact inducer. Another just gets out guy. I hope it lasts. I don't know if it will, but it's part of the reason why the Rangers have looked so good as of late. It's just another arm that's doing well for them. Yeah. Yeah. I like Dane Dunning because he's going to make you hit the ball. Kind of similar to Michael Walker, right? Like these guys who like allow hard contact, they don't have great stuff, but they just fill up the zone with strikes. So it's like I was just before this podcast started just watching Alec Manoa walk the world and then letting guys steal on them, right? If you're going to get to Dane Dunning, you're going to have to hit the ball which is the hardest thing to do with sports. Like he's not just going to allow free passes. So will he be a guy who currently has a 1.67 ERA this season? No, but is he a train wreck? Is he a guy with an ERA in the fives? Absolutely not. He's probably going to finish the year with a 4-2 ERA with plenty of innings and just throwing strikes. And like, that's important. So that's not the Dane Dunning that I was expecting last year. Going into this year, that's not the Dane Dunning that I was expecting at all. Which is fair. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting Dane Dunning to be a member of the Round Rock Express, to be total. <laughs> okay, over under by the end of the year, assuming he stays in the rotation. So right now he has a one six seven, despite averaging 5.44 Ks per night. Over under 4.2 ERA for Dane Dunning by season's end. Under. I'm going with the, pu- I'm going with the push. You think 425? That was an unbelievable line by I think it was an incredible line by Arm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Bip. Bip over under 4-6. Oh, probably over. I think you nailed it again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say, though, even if Dane Dunning is a 4-2 guy, like for them, somebody that can just go in every fifth day and be a depth arm for them, you kind of use him as a swingman. I think that's a good development for the Rangers, they, they, especially because of the volatility of that rotation with DeGrom, you know, Eovaldi's injury history recently, and he's looked really good. But, you know, a lot of the guys, Heaney, you know, very up and down. Having another guy that you can just plug in and know it's not a disaster. Like, I just watched the Rockies spot start Carl Kaufman. Like, we see some teams spot start some bums. Like, this is a guy that, you know, if, if you have to ride him for a little bit longer, like, that's fine, even if he does come to earth a little bit, which is another reason why I like this Rangers team. They haven't had this kind of depth before. And if, if you know, he allows three runs every five innings in every start, Rangers are going to put up four. This offense is electric. So that's all they need. Just get through it, you know, take up some innings, give the bullpen a rest day, just get some outs. And and he's been absolutely phenomenal this season, no doubt about it. The Michigan- Jack, what do you got? 
Yeah, the University of Michigan Alumni Network is going to come for Aram's head for calling noted Michigan man Carl Kaufman a bum just then. Mm -hmm. Didn't he set the you, innings you record? Have Michigan of Michigan bias, by the way. I've noticed that with like Michigan the, baseball players. They and usually they stink. Yeah, he's no, like, it's alliteration. It's Michigan man. They they are viewed in a different light, right? He set the innings record at Michigan. He holds the career record for innings pitched in a season at Michigan. Another get outs guy. You look there at his go. AAA all right. I know it's the PCL, but go look at it. No, I don't and, want to. And problem is like <laughs> He was a get-outs guy in college. <laughs> this is <a laughs> level. Um, my guy, like, if you asked him, he might have been a suck bag in May because, relatively speaking, he had a worse May than he did April. Uh, but Shane McClanahan was one of the best arms in baseball. And this guy, like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you look at Sonny, you look at Strider. Shane McClanahan is 8-0 with a sub-2 ERA right now. Like, he and Sonny are the only two qualified starters with a sub-2. And McClanahan... Opponents OPS 647 against him in May. They OPSed 584 against him in March and April. So he technically got worse. The thing that jumps out to me is who he was starting games against in the month of May. He threw 30 innings and had a 1-8 ERA in starts at home against Pittsburgh. And that's when Pittsburgh was like hot. They were 20-8 and eight when they ran into McClanahan at Baltimore in the Bronx where he sputtered against Milwaukee at home and against Toronto at home. So McClanahan got it done against quality opponents and, and the command got a teensy bit better in May. That was the thing that jumped out about McClanahan's start was like this guy. Yes, he was striking out the world last year and he was a sub two, but you know, he was, he was under two walks per nine this year, like command was getting away from him and he walked four against uh, Baltimore. I think he walked four against New York, but the fact that he has been able to run together back to back seven inning appearances, no runs against Milwaukee, one run against Toronto, seven K's in each of them is really impressive for me. I think this guy right now, if we had to crown a best arm in baseball at this moment, it's him. I don't think that's too much to say. I think he has been unreal. I was I watched his full start against the Toronto Blue Jays. And first of all, the Rays booth, very underrated. Everything about the Rays is amazing, like except the ballpark. But even the fans are showing up. You could hear the fans. and But the booth is amazing. And what they were talking about with McClanahan is they were joking around because in the first four innings, 11 pitches – Exactly. Through four. The command was unreal. He's throwing it wherever he wants, getting weak contact strikeouts, didn't matter. And then he gave up in the fifth inning. He's about to go on his 11th pitch. And the booth is like joking around. Like it wasn't even they were dissecting his start. He was so damn good against the Blue Jays that they were like making fun of it. That's how good he was, where it's just like a joy to watch so you don't even have to break it down because everybody can see how incredible he was and that's against the blue jays who were coming off a 20 run performance and it didn't matter it was shane mcclanahan they ran into a brick shit house and that's that big lefty in tampa mm -hmm. I, I, so that's an important like i don't know how to describe it but it's an interesting like barometer of stardom when yeah, I tend to listen to the road broadcasts whenever I watch the Marlins games. And, and you know, the, the Marlins, one thing that I've noticed now, you know, and we saw it with Sandy last year, you know, the opposing broadcaster, like if for those and, and Jack, I'm sure you can relate to this. And because you always talk about on the call up when you're excited about a pitching matchup, like there's certain players when they come to town, no matter what the team is, no matter how good the team is, the Marlins could be playing the Yankees or the Pirates, whatever it may be. 
Last year when Sandy Alcantara was pitching, it was a treat for the opposing broadcasters to call a game when that guy was throwing, and they would marvel. They'd talk about the opposing pitcher more than really any other time of the year. McClanahan's in that department, right, where anytime he pitches, you put on the road broadcast, like Peter said, they're going to marvel at at what he's doing, um, and and they're going to talk about him way more than most road broadcasts do. Um, That, to me, is like that superstar threshold. When when, when opposing broadcasts do that, I see it a little bit now with the Marlins with Luis Arias, more on just marveling on how much of a throwback player he is. Um, And and you see it with other teams, too. But I think McClanahan is is in that bucket of – Every time he throws, you know you're seeing something that very few pitchers can do, especially from the left side. It, it's we talk about must see TV, like it's it's a it's it's really cool to be able to watch McClanahan pitch every single day, like every fifth day. Excuse me, like that's he's in that bucket. Yeah, to that point, arm like the Rays booth is almost bored. They're just like bang, bang, bang. All right, next inning, let's yeah. get you know, let's start talking about the hitters. But it's like McClanahan comes off and they almost take a break. It's like, all right, let's go to the bathroom because it's just going to be a one, two, three inning and there's no debate about it. So McClanahan is easily one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. Uh, My second guy who I am bringing up is a San Francisco giant. Logan Webb is keeping the ball on the damn ground. San Francisco Giants, sixth in ERA in the month of May at 1.30. It's lowered his overall ERA to 2.91. I mean, this guy, it's like year over year, just keeping the ball on the ground in 27 innings in May. 49 ground ball outs. He started this month with a seven and two thirds great performance against the Astros, only allowing two earned, then rattled off back to back seven inning one run performances against the Nationals, which of course is not the hardest matchup in the world. But this D backs offense against right handed pitching is top 10 in Major League Baseball. They couldn't touch him for shit. And then he ended the month with a six inning shutout of the Miami Marlins. This is a guy in Logan Webb who is not really that flashy, but just keeps the ball on the ground and does his job and really is one of the most dependable starters in Major League Baseball. 2021, 3.03 ERA, right? And he threw 150 innings. 2022, 2.90 ERA in 192 innings. Then in 2023 this season, He's rattled off 65 innings, which is one of the highest in Major League Baseball at a 2.91 ERA. You know when Logan Webb is pitching, it's going to be really tough to beat him every single time. And this is just a regular occurrence at this point. Do you think the Giants would ever trade him? Like, could he ever be on the market? He's just too young and too good. He's someone that, you know, is 26 years old and the Giants want to build around. Like, you guys are already shaking your heads. I I agree. But where the Giants are going, they could get an enormous package for this guy. So I was just saying, man, if they get blown away, could it be on the table? I don't think it will be, but I thought it was worth a conversation. The way I see it with Logan Webb is if they were going to move him, they don't extend him this spring. And they extended him, right? A couple starts into this season, they extended him five years, 90. Um, And I think that Farhan Zaidi, I think that the Giants – see Logan Webb as a guy that is always going to sit around 2-9. You mentioned the ERA by year, right? 303 and 21, 290 in 2022, 2-9-1. Like he's always going to be that. He's always going to be 180 to 200 innings. He's always going to strike out eight and a half or nine guys per nine. And he's always going to walk two or fewer guys per nine. That's the thing about Logan Webb. Yes, he gets a ton of contact on the ground. But he doesn't relinquish free base runners. Nope. So when he's sporting a sub three and he's not putting anybody on, 
you know that like your heart rate can stay down that day. And every major league baseball team clamors for a guy like that in their rotation. Yeah. I, I, the last thing I'll say on Webb is, you know, when he was really breaking out in 2021, you know, we were thinking, oh, maybe this guy's a frontline guy. And then, you know, I think it kind of is, is he settled at this just consistent two. Because yeah. there was there were spots where he was struggling a little bit, like, oh, maybe he's more of a three. And now I think you just pencil him in as this really consistent high end two um, or like a low end ace. But what I think makes him so good and why why I would happily extend him is is all the things that you said, like he is so safe when you throw strikes and you get ground balls, even when you're not at your best, like you're going to churn out quality starts. I think there's a chance he leads the league in innings this year, especially if Sandy Alcantara continues to struggle a little bit. Like right now he's averaging, I don't know how, what, how it would average out, you know, in terms of it's almost seven innings per start. I think like not far from it. Uh, he he's, I think he could easily be one of the better innings eaters in the game and still give you those flashes of, of ACE like stuff and settle in as one of the best number twos in the game. 65 innings, 10 starts, you know, it's about seven and, like I, I was a little bit nervous about Webb moving into the season with the shift ban, right? A guy who just consistently keeps the ball on the ground, like relies on that shift in order to get more ground ball outs, hasn't mattered really at all. Like he's just too good. Doesn't matter. Yep. So can we come back to Aram real quick? Can we reverse order here? Because yeah. I, I think there's a really important point. Um, Aram, you think that this guy can lead baseball in innings? I will tell you that my guy is going to lead baseball in innings. Okay. Romper Valdez is going to lead Major League Baseball in innings pitched this year. 10 starts, 66 innings. So an inning mm. better than Logan Webb. Wow. <laughs> that is averaging six and two-thirds per start for Fromber Valdez. And the thing that is most impressive about Fromber Valdez is, yes, this guy is punching out, what, 10 per nine? He's walking 1.6 per nine. Mm. He's always been a three walks per nine guy, but now he's not walking anyone, and you see what he's doing. Let's take his last three starts, for example, right? Eight innings, three hits, one run, 12 Ks, no walks in Anaheim. Then he struggles a little bit against the, against the Cubs, right? Like you're coming off of an eight-inning performance where you punch out 12. I, I get it. He goes four innings, seven hits, four earned in that one. How do you bounce back from that? Complete game shutout against Oakland. And mm. like, oh, it's Oakland. But in a three-star lefties Against lefties, they're league average. Here we go. So there's 15 other teams worse than them in Major League Baseball against lefties. There we go. So in a three-start span, we saw eight innings of one-run ball with 12 strikeouts in a direct matchup with Shohei Otani, and we saw a complete game shutout. Mm. This guy is as reliable, as durable, and as fun to watch as anybody in baseball. Yeah, I put out a tweet, uh, top three pitches in Major League Baseball right now by run value. Charlie Morton's curveball, Joe Ryan's fastball. And Framber Valdez's sinker. And he just can't touch it. Like, he just can't hit it hard. I mean, talk about another guy. Like, he's kind of the left-handed Logan Webb, but I think he has better stuff than Logan Webb does. Again, yeah, it's, another it's guy. better stuff, which is even crazy, because Webb's got great stuff, but it, it's just – it's when you have the sinker like that and then you have this breaking ball that just always dives to the bottom of the zone, it's like, how do you ever hit the ball in the air off this guy? How do yeah. you – the only way that you can beat him is – hard on the ground 
And yeah, like there's going to be times where you can yank one through a hole or whatever, but that's really hard to do. So you're hoping you can catch one that he hangs. He rarely hangs anything. He is really amazing. And his story is so remarkable because he was signed for like nothing. Um, And he was looked at as like an older, complex guy. No one gave him a shot. Uh, And and it's always cool to see guys like that. But um, yeah, I I think he's got to be probably the hardest guy to hit. Like if you were doing – some sort of like home run derby, you know how people have floated the idea of like extra innings, home run derby, whatever. If you could go to one pitcher and say like this guy's got to keep the ball in the yard, I'd feel good about him keeping the ball in the yard in Williamsport. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. Like it's just never going in the air. Um, it, it's pretty remarkable. He's given up forty six home runs in five hundred and eighty innings in his career. And you look at a guy like Framber Valdez. Like we talk about Logan Webb being like low threes, high twos ERA every single year. Framber is a bit more electric with the stuff, and he just gets better year over year. 3.57 ERA in 2020, 3.14 in 2021, 2.82 in 2022-2.45 this year. Just keeps getting better. So while Logan Webb is that high-end two, kind of low-end ace, Framber at his worst is a low end ace. Like, yeah. He, yeah. and you put him in the playoffs too. Like, oh, he already proved that biggest moments don't bother him worth anything. He's got shots. Yeah. Remember when uh, he was fixing his shoes and people were like, oh, maybe you're cheating. And I think he might have heard he's just smiling on the mound. He's like, I don't have to cheat. Here's the yeah. sinker. I dare you to hit it in the air. No one can yeah. do shit. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, Jack, do you want to talk about Michael Kopech or do you want me to talk about Michael Kopech? I've got Kopech as my third guy. So, okay. So I'll save, I'll save that. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you do that because okay. I just want to talk about his dad. Um, very active yeah. on Twitter all of a sudden. Haven't very seen his dad at all uh, ever. Uh, very active now. So nice to see Michael P. Kopech active. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, that was going to be who my next guy was. I- I'll rehash. I'm going to do it one more time. I, and I think I'm just going to have to brand myself as an Erod guy. But if we're talking about best pitchers in May, like, shit, man, I got to talk about Erod again. This dude's been fantastic. I, I, and I'm like, I'm not going to rehash all of the same points, but are you guys sold? I'll just kick it to you because I'm sold. I'm all the way in. I'm 100% in on everything we're seeing from Erod. Are you sold on Erod being, I'll, I'll try to load it a little bit more. A sub three two ERA guy this year. Holy shit, that's niche. Yeah, like I think you nailed the line again, right? <laughs> he's got a three oh two expected. He's allowing some of the softest contact his career, and that's always been his game. Twenty five percent K rate. He ain't walking anybody, and he's just really effective with this fastball cutter change up sinker combo, right? Like I wish he had a couple of more speeds. Right, like I wish he dropped in like this seventy-six mile hour curveball to keep guys off balance because a lot of his pitches are in that ninety-two to eighty-six range. But everything is just moving all over the place, and he's throwing it wherever he wants. I mean, how can I not buy what I'm seeing right now? He's keeping the ball on the ground. He's limiting hard contact. He's not walking anybody. That's exactly what you want from a pitcher. What was what was the number one thing? The reason why we were you know a little bit higher on Erod last year was oh got him out of Fenway, 
all the peripherals look so good. Now you're going to get him out of Fenway. He's going to be pitching in Comerica. It's perfect. He's going to be great. And then what we talked about the other episode, he had all those extenuating circumstances last year that, you know, led to him not pitching great through 91 innings, but it wasn't like he was atrocious. He had a 405 ERA. Like he was fine given all the circumstances, but he's upped his strikeout rate significantly. Uh, He's upped it by 7% and he's dropped his walk rate by 3%. As it pertains to May, it's it's been, you know, more of the same. And he's coming off of I think one of his worst starts. Uh two starts ago against Pittsburgh, he gave about four earned runs. Uh and that and still his numbers in May are fantastic cuz he won eight shutty against the Mets, seven shutty against Cleveland, and then five innings of two-run ball, 9 Ks against Kansas City. Um yeah, I'm all the way in on Erod. Now we'll continue to to say I think this is the best going to be the best pitcher that is traded. And I think he's pitching for something, obviously. He very much wants to, you know, I think, opt out and get a bigger bag. I'll buy it. Um, My thing about Erod is you're playing a guessing game in the same velocity window. So, Peter, you bring up like you wouldn't mind a taste breaker. Um, Mm -hmm. He's got pitches that move like four different ways that are all mid-80s to low-90s. Like, yeah. That's so hard to pick up. And and the thing is, if he was 55% four-seamer, I'd feel a lot worse about Erod. But, like, he's 40% four-seamer and then 25% cutter and then, like, 20% changeup and then 15% sinker. Like, it's, it's just everything is there for a hitter to have in the back of their mind. And I think it's a guessing game every time the ball leaves his hand. And what did we say, Jack, about Erod? We were like, his stuff is just not that good. But every single, you know, all of his velocity up. He's an elevated Javier is up. And he was leaving everything middle. Like, it was just middle, middle. There was no command within the strike zone. Like, he's never had a problem where he's just given up free passes. But there's a difference between guys who walk and guys who throw strikes, but it's right down the dick. Yeah. Erod is on the corners, but he's not nibbling. It's it's on purpose, which you, you never really see with Erod in the past. Everything is right where he wants it. How can you not buy it? Like, unless something like there's nothing in the numbers that makes me be like, oh, and that when you watch him, there's nothing where I'm like, oh, yeah, he's getting so lucky. Everything looks great. Right. Cardinals cardinal. you should go get him. He's a cardinal. <laughs> he's a cardinal. I would say cardinal. He will be a cardinal. All right. Should uh, we move on to my last guy? Yes. I want to talk about another Texas Ranger who has vaulted himself into the American League Cy Young conversation. Hmm. Nathan Eovaldi is a fucking stud right now. He is fourth in ERA in May with a 1.10 ERA, which has lowered his regular season ERA to 2.60. The only time he didn't go at least eight innings this month was against the Braves where he went seven innings and allowed three runs. Nine inning, one run ball against the Pirates, eight and two-thirds shutouts of the A's, and an eight-inning shutout performance of the Los Angeles Angels. And talk about a ground ball guy. Talked about Framber. Talked about Logan Webb. 47 ground ball outs in 32 and two-thirds innings. Damn. Eovaldi, man. Like, they got DeGrom. Even Heaney was like this interesting guy because it's like, oh, shit, look what he did on the Dodgers. And I know it was only 92 innings, but like he could be really good. And Eovaldi was kind of the guy they signed. It was like, all right, good arm, like decent signing. Like we'll see, right? His velocity was down. Dude, I mean, this is some of the best pitching I've ever seen Nathan Eovaldi give anybody. He has been unreal and is such a good 
thing for the Rangers because he goes so deep in the games, gives the bullpen that rest, because that's the kind of the one issue with the Rangers is that their bullpen is just kind of mid. I mean, it is kind of mid. But the fact that he can go so long and then just get to the closer there, he's been awesome, guys. Yeah, I mean, he looks healthy. That's just what it seems like to me. I mean, the velo's back up. He just looks good. I think he was kind of banged up a lot last year, and he he looks good. Like he just looks healthy. So we saw this is like as good of a stretch to your point, Peter, that we've seen from him since that playoff stretch with the Red Sox. If if he can sustain this, the Rangers are are a real force because you could have easily made the case to talk about John Gray in this and, and, and talk about a couple other guys. So the, the Rangers we already were, mentioned uh, Dane Dunning, like, right. Dane like, Dunning, we mentioned yeah. Dane Dunning. like they're clicking on all cylinders right now. Yeah. The so thing that, watching. the thing that jumps out to me about Yavaldi is, you know, it's almost like this level of positive surprise that I felt when he was with New York, when he was like really firing with the Yankees, right? It was, holy shit. Like this guy's got it. You know, this is that feeling that I have with Yavaldi. And, you know, in Boston, I think he made a, a pleasant introduction to the Red Sox by, like, being a horse in the World Series. So nobody really doubted him. This is the first time that he has been under the radar, I think, since he was that New York Yankee in, what, beginning of 2018, maybe, like, end of 2017. I, I don't have the timeline in front of me here. But, like, I feel like he's got that positive surprise around him in the same way that he did when he was a Yankee. Yep. He's also a guy who I feel is 37 when he's 33. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Kyle had a lot more in the tank. Bad. Yeah. Splitter is so good. Opponents are hitting 176 against it, and he throws it wherever he wants. And he's throwing his four-seamer at 96 miles an hour. His cutter has been awesome. I mean, he's just been one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball this year and should be in the top five for AL Young voting consideration. He's all of his peripherals look great. Two six, what two eight six expected ERA compared to a two six zero ERA. Ground ball's highest rate of career, striking out everybody, not walking anyone. Awesome. Yeah. Arm, is it me now? Okay, I got to talk about then some someone that we've already discussed a decent bit, you know, on the podcast. But I, I feel like we got to highlight him even more because it's it's somebody that. I don't know if we've really ever seen a debut quite like this or just like a start to your big league career quite like this. And it's Bryce Miller. I I know he just did it against the A's last night, but just like watching that, what's amazing to me about Bryce Miller, because we talk about the, the carrying fastball and and what that brings, which is a lot of swing and miss. What's so amazing to me about him is that he doesn't need to get strikeouts, but he's not a ground ball guy. He gets weak contact in the air, and that's so rare. That's so hard to find. Most guys that are fly ball pitchers are susceptible to the long ball, and you know there, there's a world where he he could be susceptible to the long ball, and you know that is a way to beat him. But overall, so far he hasn't given up a home run in the big leagues, and overall he's just so good at getting that weak contact in the air. Again, this was him and Mason Miller were the only two 80 grade fastballs that we had. And this stat from Codify, I think, really wraps it up really well in terms of what Bryce Miller's done in his first five starts. And Codify, by the way, code, at Codify Baseball on Twitter, you, you got to follow. It's just fantastic account. Does such a good job over there. No one in the last 100-plus years has pitched 30-plus innings in their first five MLB starts and not allowed 26-plus batters to reach base. Bryce Miller's first five starts, 31 and one-thirds innings, 17 base runners. Only 17 base runners. So he's not walking anybody. 
Nobody's getting hits. Like there's nobody is getting on base. His whip, I think, is I don't have it in front of me, but it's got to be sub point five. Like it, it is absolutely insane. So I don't know how long this lasts. Like I, I think he's going to clearly be a very good arm for them for a, a long time. But this level of domination is absurd. And I think it's it's really it's been really been fun to watch. He's another guy that you you got to tune in every start and watch him ride this wave. Uh, a one one five ERA is just crazy. Arum doesn't know ball, unfortunately, because Bryce Miller's WHIP is zero point five one. get wrecked, dude. Leave uh, the zoom. <laughs> I have a uh, I have a couple more stats. Uh, David Adler wrote an incredible article on MLB.com. You can find it on Baseball Savant too, just highlighting how incredible the fastball is because of how much he throws it. So among starters with the highest four-seam fastball usage in 2023, he is number one by 4% over Michael Kopech, right? So he's at 67.7% fastball usage. Kopech, 633 Mackenzie Gore, 62.1, and then everybody's in the same bucket. So it's by far the most used pitch in Major League Baseball. And among starters with the most fastball rise, right, we talk about that getup. Guess who's number one? Bryce Miller over Spencer Strider and a guy like Nestor Cortez Jr. But then we even go further. Arm, you mentioned that he's not walking anybody, right? Like we see when rookies come up when they're young, they start to nibble around the strike zone. Maybe they lose their command a little bit. 55.7% of his pitches this season have been in the strike zone, which is top five among starting pitchers and right behind Spencer Strider. And it gets even crazier. 36.3% of his pitches this season have been in the heart of the strike zone, meaning they're inside even the edges on the outer part of the zone, which is highest rate among all starters. Like he is throwing it in the middle of the zone. And daring you to hit it, you got to have a special set of nuts to know that I'm a young guy. These are major league hitters. And all I'm going to do is throw it right in the middle of the strike zone. And I dare you to hit it. And nobody is, dude. It's it's incredible. That's why I didn't think that comparing him to last year's Strider was that outlandish. Because it's a similar type of pitch mix. And I think you could make the argument up to this point that Bryce Miller's fastball is better than Spencer Strider's. I know that sounds crazy, but just look at the numbers. It rises more. It's not that much lower in velocity. And he's throwing it middle like Strider's going up the zone. Miller's like, it's in the middle. They still can't hit it. It's amazing what he's doing. Miller has this like upshot delivery, which is really what like put me over the top to give him that 80 because it was like, when you release, when you have that shape and that upshot delivery, it's just unbelievably hard to get on top of. And and the the confidence that Miller has, you know, that comes from seeing guys swing under that fastball so many times. You miss low a little bit, and they still miss under it. Like you, he, he, he has seen so many really good hitters in the minor leagues and and now in the majors in the early going take shitty swings at his fastball. That now it's like. The amount of zone confidence you have to have in that pitch now, if you're Bryce Miller, with with how much whiff you're getting, opponents hitting 108 against it when you're throwing it 70, they know it's coming. There's a seven seven of the ten pitches you're going to see from Bryce Miller are going to be a fastball, and guys still can't get on top of it. Then guys will start to make an adjustment a little bit, and that'll put a little bit more pressure on the slider, which you know is not where Striders is, and that's where it's going to be interesting to see. But the fact that he's able to throw that fastball seven out of ten times. 
and strike guys out with the fastball 28% of the time to get chase rates at 30%, swinging strike rate at 14% clip. Those are all ridiculous numbers. And it's a testament to just how insane his fastball is. So, I I, I mean, I, it's really cool to see a guy throw a fastball 70% of the time and dominate hitters as a starter. And that's why he's able to not walk anybody because he can just go, here's the fastball. He could literally give the, the fastball gesture and throw it, and I still think he'd get whiffs. As a rookie. Yeah. I mean, what, five starts into his big league career? Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think David Adler's pitch usage numbers didn't take into account that Oakland start on Wednesday mm. night. Um, okay. He's over 70% with the fastball. Like he is officially over 70%. So like Arm saying, he's literally flicking his glove up pretty much and saying, you're getting a fastball. You're not going to touch it. It's a 2,600 RPM fastball. It is averaging 2,608 revolutions per minute. That's witchcraft. Yeah. So all those numbers I said, are even better now after that starting yes, correct correct <laughs> which is i i undersold him my yeah. bad i undersold him <laughs> well but aram aram oversold him with the whip so True. now we're back to square one we leveled off we're yeah. good they cancel you, out who's your pitcher jack the last one's kopech <laughs> here's the deal it's five april starts era at 701 opponents hit 280 and opponents had a 967 OPS against him. They were Shohei fucking Otani against him in April. And now they're like Oscar Gonzalez before getting optioned in May. In five May starts, Michael Kopech is a 199. Opponents are hitting a buck 26, and they're OPSing 505. His last two starts 15 innings, three hits, no runs, 19 Ks in 15 innings, one walk. That's coming off of his first three starts in May, albeit still somewhat effective, but 14 Ks, 12 walks in 16 and two-thirds. So this guy was getting, I mean, it was bombs away against Michael Kopech in April. It was like a joke watching him throw. And then at the beginning of May, it was, this guy can't throw a strike to save his life. And now it's, oh my God, he's Steve Carlton. Like it's, it's just bizarre what's happened with Michael Kopech, and it is Michael Kopech. It's not Mikey Aram. It's Michael. No, no, don't you dare make a headline that's a play on words on an old Chicago artist. It is Michael Kopech. Um, but no, <laughs> I, I think just, we need we need to give the dad a break. He's so fired up. He's watching his son, and he yeah, yeah we got we got to give the dad a break. I mean, I <laughs> when you're watching your son look legit like Nolan Ryan at times when he's on, like you got to be just over the moon excited. It was an article gassing up his son. Yeah, <laughs> that was the only reason why I was like. And that. his problem was the title. He's <laughs> he's just so fired up that anything that could be conceived as slightly negative is getting quote tweeted. He yeah. is retweeting like a banshee, though, which I love. I mean, that is great. Proud, proud father. But like, dude, the article is gassing your son up. They say Mikey in the headline. And yeah, don't call him that. It reminded me of Michael Malone. Don't call the Nuggets coach Mike Malone or he will correct you on national TV. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do not call him Mike Malone. Hmm. There's a clip of that. If you look it up, it's so awkward. So, oh. so awkward. Interesting. Um, Kopech, Michael, the fastball is just jumping. I was looking back and it's, uh, several fastballs from his last start were over 20 inches of induced vertical break. He never does that. Um, the last five starts, the whiff 
rates on the fastball have been off the charts. The swinging strike rate on the fastball has been off the charts. So he's found the heater. I don't know how, why, when, what, but he found the heater. It's averaging 96 over his last five starts. That always helps too. So averaging more velo with more shape, that tends to help. And if you look at the last three starts, he's averaging 96.5 miles per hour. You look at the last two starts, 96.7 miles per hour. You go to last start, 96.8 miles an hour. So he's been ticking up slightly every single start. Looks like he's kind of just getting into his groove. Hopefully he stays healthy. But right now it seems like he's like really getting into a rhythm physically. And the velocity is all the way back for him, at least close to all the way back from this big league version of Michael Kopech that we've seen. Is he the toughest player to watch Jack as a White Sox? And I mean that in the way that when he's on, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. I mean, just like the stuff that he has with the jump that Arm was talking about on the fastball, at times he looks absolutely unhittable. And then there are times where he's tipping pitches and the Giants are having a home run derby. Yeah, Like the White Sox are a very polarizing team. Is he the most polarizing player on the most polarizing team? I'll still side with Luis Robert, I think, because you just More you than fair. know you know <laughs> what's there. And like yeah. you see what he does for two week stretches. <clears throat> um, but yeah, Kopeck probably on the hill. The I mean the other one's Cease, right? Because there are outings where Cease can't throw a strike to save his life. And it's like, dude, you just finished second in Cy Young voting last yeah. year. The yeah, whole team, dude. That the whole the whole no, I mean, Tim Anderson's OPSing under 600. Like, it's it's been a mess. It's been Can frustrating. I, but, yeah, Kopech, I think Kopech and Luis Robert are the two that embody that frustration the best. Let me give you a really important stat here on Kopech. Let's just talk about the fastball quality, which he's throwing the fastball a ton. But the last three games, slider and changeup combined, opponents are 0 for 24 with 9Ks. Dude. So even though he's not going to those pitches a lot, they got to worry about it. And when he goes to it, they're not hitting it. Um, that's pretty impressive. 0 for 24 with 9Ks against the slider and the changeup over the last three starts. And against the fastball, they're 4 for 36. So um, they're not good against him against anything right now. But it's really cool to see the secondary stuff really you know, following suit as well. I think that's it, gentlemen, right? We covered our three favorites. Is it now time for the Suck Bag Award? Time for the Suck Bags. All right. I'll start it off in May. My suck bag award should go to Alec Manoa because I just continue to see him look like. I a mean, is this bag? is this yeah a suck bag? Is this not like the biggest drop off in Major League Baseball right now? A guy who finished third in AL Cy Young voting to arguably the worst pitcher in Major League Baseball, but I'm gonna go with his teammate. You say Kikuchi has a 6.29 ERA in May, which is the fifth worst in Major League Baseball. Against the Braves and the Red Sox, two good offenses, four innings pitched, five earned runs against both of them. Orioles, again, another tough offense, but he didn't get out of the fifth. And then he got bombed by the Rays, but he did shove for six shutout against the Pirates. And the reason I'm bringing him up is it's easy to bag on Alec Manoa. And Alec Manoa isn't the suck bag award for May because he's just had a really bad season to this point. So I chose the guy who had a three ERA entering the month of May and then now sits with almost a 5.00 ERA. He just allows some of the hardest contact that you're going to find. And it was in his peripherals early on in the season. People were excited to see this Kikuchi. 
But the reality is, like, he's probably still that 4.50 ERA guy, a fifth starter in the back end, not someone you want throwing in playoff games. So when I look at the Blue Jays rotation, I'm like, I cannot trust Alec Manoa at all. Barrios is, I mean, he's not horrible. Pucci, I, I just cannot trust. And then you got Bassett and Gosman. This team, again, as we're speaking right now, another loss to the Rays. So they just went into the trop. They put up a 20-to-1 performance. Then they lost three of four. This Blue Jays team is in trouble. They're in trouble, I think. I mean, I still believe in them. Uh, you know, I'm not going back. on contenders. Well, I did say contenders, and I still believe in them. But they are in trouble. Objectively, like, there are things that they need to fix ASAP. Yeah. Um, I I think you probably gave Kikuchi the edge because you're disappointed in him. I was disappointed because I was like, oh, shit, like, this is a good arm for the Blue Jays, right? The peripherals said otherwise, but I'm like, no, like, I think he can be okay. Yeah. But then it just all unraveled. And I was like, all right, <laughs> never mind. Right. So, that's so you're, out. you're out. I mean, define out, I guess. Like, I think he's a five, maybe. Okay. No, that's fine. That's yeah. Fine. So I he's, kind of he's on par with what he was then. He's, he's not any, you don't, your yeah. perspective. Like, I was like, 23. you know, like our, our friends, yeah. the Gate 14 podcast, like they're talking about bearded Kikuchi, look great in spring training. I'm like, oh, that's huge for the Blue Jays. Then he got off to a great month in April. I'm like, oh shit, like maybe this is something. Maybe he can outperform those peripherals. Nope. Yeah, beard does look good. I will say that. Yep. Um, yeah, man. I'm. I mean, I think I'm guilty of this too. I'm quick to pounce on the negative on the negativity with the Blue Jays because I was expecting so much from them this year. Yes. So, like, as soon as you see them start to falter a little bit, I look to point a finger at somebody. And I think in May, Kikuchi is probably that guy because Manoa sucked in April and May. Barrios yeah. has sucked since the start of 2022. <laughs> like that's yeah. the th- so it's Kikuchi that you point at, right? In April, yeah. everybody was pointing at Varsho. You know, now I don't I don't know who they're pointing at in May, but um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like Manoa. on the hill, I'm talking yeah. in the lineup. But Manoa. shit, it might still be Varsho. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I think that he is probably the best poster boy of Blue Jay frustration in May. That's why I didn't want to buy into the Blue Jays this year. I'm like, they got to prove something. Them and the Padres. I mean, the Padres did more, but I'm like, these teams are hyped every year in the preseason and they just perpetually fall below expectations. It's yeah. like, oh, the Blue Jays have this great team. Let's see them do it. And they haven't done it thus far. They are 26 and 25 as we sit here today. Like, <laughs> That's, yeah, they got some stuff to figure out. It's like, it, it's funny, the Twins rotation, like the Twins had like similar challenges and I feel like they've pieced it together so much better than the way that the Blue Jays tried to piece it together. Both kind of went via the trade, um, a little bit of free agency, a little bit of trade and has not and, worked out for them. And it's funny, so the the Barrios trade from Minnesota. Yeah, what are we from? The team that needed pitching traded Barrios. I should probably tell you something. Like, they saw the writing on the wall somewhere. That's a good point. The team that needed pitching traded away Jose It wasn't Barrios. like they were going full rebuild. They weren't fully hitting the reset button. Like I they, never thought they, about like, that. We're good on – I never really thought about it either. <laughs> it doesn't You're good really ass make point. sense. Here's the thing, good man. Be- beginning of last year, if I offered you one trio for the next five years, who would you take? Beginning of 2021, before anybody threw a pitch, or in 2022, before anybody threw a pitch in 2022, for the next five years, were you taking the trio of Manoa, Barrios, and Gosman, or Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan? Uh, not even fucking close. Not even close. 
not even close. And now you are completely. It's not even close the other way. I know. It's It's crazy. It's so crazy. It is so nuts. I got my guy. Um, Get into your suck bag. So I want to give a shout out. Chris Castellini, he's over with Barstool now, but he was my colleague when I was at Locked On. Um, He does Barstool baseball stuff, I think. Uh, Big Tigers guy. But he made a video, and I I remember I was thinking about this, and then I saw him make the video, and I was like, whoa, wow, it really is that bad. We talk about Chase Daniel as like the all-time bag getter uh, in the NFL, backup QB. He's thrown like three passes. He's made like $60 or whatever, and maybe more than that. so sick. So sick. He he somehow has finesse. Jordan Lyles is the (laughs) all-time – MLB bag getter, I think. You know, you can probably look at some other like big contracts that guys have had that flopped, but like Lyles has never been good. Like he's just never been good. And this guy, how much do you think Jordan Lyles, if he doesn't make another dollar after the end of this contract, how much do you think Jordan Lyles will retire having made in Major League Baseball? I bet he's made over a hundred million dollars. No, 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 no. I just feel like he's been getting a ten-year deal for fifteen years. Ten million dollar deal. Yeah, just for fifteen years. So. Eight, he got eight million in 2020, eight yeah. million in 2021, six million in 2022, eight and a half in 2023 <laughs> with a one million buyout. And then he's set for eight and a half next year. He will, and assuming he'll probably make more after next year, he'll get another chance. This guy will somehow always get chances. $55 million. He already is guaranteed made. This incredible dude, career. Oh, incredible career on the paycheck side of things. This dude, pitching wise, has been atrocious and specifically this year and specifically this month has been even worse. He's 0-8 though this season, 0-8 with a 7-1-5 ERA. He leads Major League Baseball in earned runs with 45. He leads Major League Baseball in home runs allowed, 14. 14 home runs allowed. And the weirdest part is he actually has a complete game this year. But Aaron Judge has 14 home runs. Sorry, what was that? Aaron Judge has 14 home runs. <laughs> you literally like think about that. Like that is crazy. And specifically to this month, four starts, an 886 ERA. Peripherals look a bit better though. 609 FIP. <laughs> like it, I, I'm making fun of him because he's got his back. Like he can laugh to the bank. It's fine. I will never even dream of making that much money. But man, this guy's a finesser. I know he had a 4.15 and like low four ERA guy. That was 2019. Low four ERA guys seem to get the bag. Like you can you can get paid. But 2020 he had a 7.02 ERA. 2021 he had a five, and the all of the underlying stats were brutal. And he led the league in home runs allowed. Do you know how many home runs he allowed in 2021? Take a I'm wild go, guess. I'm gonna go 35. Jack. Um, 40, 38. <laughs> Oh, you were closer. Price is right, though. <laughs> 38. This guy's given up 212 homers. He might re- if, if he keeps getting jobs, he might be in the 500 home home run club. <laughs> I'm in. I'm like, in. What's the I'm actually, we should make a graphic. Him. We should we, we should make a graphic when he gives up his 300th home run. Like, that's incredible. That that's is incredible good. stuff. Yeah. Usually you can't survive that long. But you know no. what? Golf clap for Jordan Lyles. I appreciate that. Every offensive player against him has been Freddie Freeman, basically. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Um, so I just thought it was so funny, Arm, when you mentioned he had a, like a 4-2 ERA in 2019. It's like four years removed from an average year. He's <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's what I'm saying. And this guy, he, got, he didn't get a one-year deal. He got a two-year deal. He's on contract for next year. Eight and a half million, the Royals owe him. Like. I, I, it, who's his agent? Is he is he teaching 
Brady Singer right now? Oh, Balanji Group. He's a Balanji Group guy. I, I mean, I, I, I love the Balanji Group. They they pitch us a lot of the uh, – connect us with a lot of the uh, minor league right. guys that they have. That's how we get a lot of the guests on the call up. Yeah. Great, great relationship with them. They're awesome. They're good at what they do. They're doing a hell of a job with Jordan. They're Lyons. doing a hell of a job. Great job, Balanji Group. Um, Who's your right. suck bag, Jack? My suck bag – opponents against this certain suck bag would be 15th in baseball in OPS or in a OBP in May opponents have a 412 OBP against him in the month of May sorry 419 OBP against him in the month of May 419 would check in at 12th just behind Lamont Wade Jr. Jack Flaherty's my suck bag huh. and here's where I'm going with this he survived the walks in April, right? Like, obviously, we had that loaded conversation. Was Jack Flaherty's outing good? It was five no-hit innings, but he walked seven. <laughs> and, Peter, I think you said, like, sort of yes, because he didn't allow a hit and a run. But I think Arm and I were firmly on the no standpoint because it was a mess. Um, 21 walks in 32 innings in April. He had a 3.94 ERA. In May, 12 walks in 19 innings. He's got a 7-8 or 7-5-8 ERA. Opponents hit 225 against him in April. So they were walking, but they weren't necessarily amassing hits. In May, opponents are hitting 324 with a 419 OBP. It's a joke with Flaherty right now. And the reason he's my suck bag. Obviously, it's because he's not throwing strikes and opponents are hitting against him at a 325 clip. But it's also because he's lashing back out at the media for asking about his fastball velocity. Like, dude, it's going to catch up to you at some point. And I'm not saying like opponents are, you know, OPSing over 900 against him because he's throwing 86 occasionally. Like we've seen him run it up to the mid 90s several times in the month of May. But if he's going to be that abrasive about his arsenal, you're a major league baseball player, man. Like you're an all-star. Was he? He was an all-star in 2019. Like, you have to be okay fielding those questions when you throw yeah. an 85 mile an hour fastball. He wasn't. That shows me a lack of confidence. And the other thing showing me a lack of confidence is the egregious walk numbers. Yeah, but you can kind of flush all those numbers down the drain and just blame Wilson Contreras, though, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that's what he did. Uh, apparently, it was it was he was a big part of that meeting. We'll see. Uh, that, that's what that that's what Contreras said. Which is the funniest part about that whole situation. So, Jack, are you saying that the seven innings of shuddy ball with 10 Ks two starts ago, fluke? Yes, pretty much. Yeah. He went here's two the, the third against the Angels, 10 runs, all earned. All That's earned. It. It's just like, it's he's so tough too because it's like sometimes he does look good. Like Aram saying, seven yeah. shutout innings, 10Ks, but then he comes out and he can't throw a strike to save his life and he's, he's throwing 80. He's got to be, we, we talk about polarizing. Like for a guy that's going to finish, he'll probably finish with like a, a high four as well, five ZRA, something like that this year. But maybe he does better than that. But regardless, for the sake of the, this this point, I don't think there'll be a guy with a higher ERA who has more six to seven shutout outings. Like, I I think he's going to, or six to seven shutout inning outings. Like, I think he's going to have two or three more of those where it's like six innings, 10 Ks. But when we look at the the bulk of the year, he's going to have like a four eight. And it's just like, what is this? I think um, that's so funny you said that, Arm, because like six innings, three runs is a 4.50 ERA. I don't think he's ever going to have a start this year that is six innings, three runs. He's either going to throw a seven inning shutout 
or give up eight runs in three innings, and then that's going to like equal a 4-7 ERA. Yes. He's the opposite of a quality start. It's either elite no. or the worst. Can He's I... not a guy that I'm like, oh, thank goodness Jack's on the mound today. It's like, what Jack are we getting? Right. Um, can, can I just run you through real quick the, the walk totals like in each start? Ten starts. Rapid fire walk totals. Seven, six, one, three, two, two, one, five, two, four. Those are crazy numbers. You know what's yeah. also nuts is one of the ones. It's two starts with one walk. One of the ones was where he got shelled. Yeah. So it's like that's where the confidence is probably oscillating a little bit where it's like, well, I'm in, when I'm around the zone, it gets crushed. I got to nibble. I got to find those corners. He's using that like cutter. And when he hits his spots with it, he, he can have those those good starts, but he's got to be pretty perfect. So, yeah, it is surprising to me that, it, that, that you feel like as a major league baseball player that it's a crazy question to be asked about your velocity. And I, I'm sure he's tired of hearing about it because of the injuries, but I do think that that was a weird one. Um, okay, let's play over-under here then. Over-under 5 ERA for Jack Flaherty this year. You just keep nailing these lines. Currently Not. a five two nine. I will go under. I Pip under. says four eight seven. I I was going to be like four nine five. Like he's barely going under that. Yeah. I go slightly under. I go like maybe a four seven five four eight. So you're a big Jack Flaherty guy. I'm a huge Jack. Flaherty guy. <laughs> you're higher on on Jack Flaherty than Peter. <laughs> yeah, we share a similar first name. Um, <laughs> Not the yeah, same. Yeah. Similar. Well, I'm I'm a John. I don't know if true. He's- true. Did you just out yourself as as a John? I don't think I give my social security number now too. <laughs> Yeah, John oh, Jack McMullen. Social Security brought to you by So Rare MLB. Play So Rare. How yeah. about instead of running us through your Social Security, run us through the weekend of games that are going to be awesome to watch, and we'll go through. We'll pick a winner, and then we'll say goodbye and and uh, usher people into the weekend of good baseball. That sounds good. Uh, Friday at seven ten, we've got Cardinals at Guardians, and it doesn't sound good based on the team's record, but I will tell you that Matthew Liberator is throwing against Shane Bieber. I will be watching because I find that to be a fascinating pitching matchup. Will you guys be watching? I will be watching, and I think the Cardinals are going to win that game, even though it's Libby versus uh, Bieber. I mean, the Guardians just can't hit a lefty to save their lives, and the Cardinals have been baseball's best offense this season against right-handed pitching, and Bieber's tough is a little bit down. I think the Cardinals win that one. Jack, you just saw Brian Rocchio. Does that guy not need to be up like ASAP? Ahmed Rosario looks like Peter. You said they can't hit lefties. I know they especially can't hit lefties, but they can't hit. Period. Like it, it is crazy, dude. Rokio's hitting over three forty right now in forty call games in triple. Rokio's hitting three forty. Phenomenal defender steals, but like call him up. Try something else. They yeah. need to inject some life into that offense. Also, I don't think it gets any better. I think this is a, a statement start for Libby. Also, um, I think. I'm willing at this point to swallow the tough defensive showings from Bo Naylor occasionally to get his bat in the lineup. I think it's time for Naylor and Rokio to be Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, like if, yeah. if Bo Naylor goes one for 25 in his debut, he's already better than Zunino. Yes. And so. what, Cam Gallagher, he's the backup? And like, what are we watching? Zunino play good defense? I'm watching that noodle arm. Yeah. I'm watching like a no, middle teams are blocker. running like crazy against the Cleveland Guardians too. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's it defense. Well, if he's not I don't defending. Even he's actually me useless. Yeah. <laughs> if Mike Zanino is not defending, though, what is he doing out there? Um, what yeah, other games we got on the slate, Jack? All right, Friday at ten ten, Mitch Keller and the Pirates in Seattle against George Kirby. 
Oh, under. Yeah, under, under. I was going to say, is this a one nothing game? Knowing baseball, though, it's going to end five to five, four, five, three. Yeah. Yeah. Five, three or something like that. Mitch Keller has been maybe the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. I mean, we talked about on the last episode or maybe the episode before, so we're not going to get fully into him again, but he's getting a bag. He's getting a bag. They're going to give him the, the Logan Webb deal. We were talking about it, and I was like, no way. But now we were talking about that last week, and we said, no way. I said, fuck no. But now, do, I, if he keeps doing this, like, he might, he might weasel his way. I still think it's less, but like, 70 mil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's pretty close to a Logan Webb. Or, that's pretty close. Do you think Mitch Keller accepts it, or is he like, nah, I figured Keller, it out? Nah, like, dude, I want to get to the market. Keller says yes before they give him the dollar amount. Yeah. I, I actually, I think, I think that he would take it in five seconds given his, his slower start and like everything. But yeah, it was funny because literally a couple starts ago, like where it's, I, I balked at like the Logan Webb deal, but now he's just watching the throw. And it's like, a, forget the name. You almost Mitch laughed. Keller. You almost laughed at me when I brought up that. Yeah, I, and I still think it's nuts. I think it would be nuts to give him five years, ninety. But it's like I can see the Pirates doing it. Like I can, I can see it. I did almost laugh. It, it's just like you got to like take a step back, forget that it's Mitch Keller for a second, because the name association that I have of, of a Mitch Keller in my head sure. is just sure. like tread merchant hype video merchant. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you just watch the pitcher and you just look at the data, blind he's taste, he's great. He's he's not that far off from Logan Webb. So I'm really interested to see how the Pirates play this one. But okay, so uh, no as for the game, it. for the game, God, one zero. I literally think it's going to be one zero two one game. I'm going to yeah. go. Mariners. Raising- J Rod comes alive. Big oh. home run late. I'm raising the Jolly Roger. I'll go with the Mariners, but I think it's going to be one of those games that isn't won by any of the starters, and it's won at the end of the game. Gossett. Um, All right, Saturday at 2-10, Chris Bassett against Pablo Lopez in Minnesota. Yeah, I'm currently in a war with Chris Bassett. Um, I took his over two and a half in runs on prize picks. The dude gave up six runs, two of them earned. Um, <laughs> hit my over bet on the game, but he still technically owns me, and I'm going to fade him until I am blue in the face. So give me the twins with okay. no analysis. All right, fair. No, that was pretty good analysis, actually. Twins. Yeah. I'm going to go twins there. Um, Join me in Pablo. battle. I think Pablo's been pitching better than the numbers say. I I, I think he's going to have a nice bounce back here. I think the twins' offense can get rolling a little bit. They got that bum Correa out of the lineup. Thank goodness. <laughs> Plantar fasciitis, dude. That shit sucks. I, 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 that was my, I, I never replied to MLB trade rumors posts, but I saw Carlos Correa like out with plantar fasciitis. I just immediately replied like that shit hurts so bad. I think he got like 250 likes. A lot of people out there are suffering from plantar fasciitis. It hurts. I roll a a, a lacrosse ball on my foot all the time to try to manage it. Correa, Correa, that that's going to suck for a while. But anyway, Edward Julian's back raking. I think the offense is starting to wake up a little bit. Um, I, I like the twins in that one. Yeah, I'm drunk on the Julianne Kool-Aid right now. Uh, just went yard again yesterday, so sign me up for, for Minnesota here. Clean sweep. Tyler Glasnow returns to the hill on Saturday at 410 against Clayton Kershaw and the freaking L.A. Dodgers. Kershaw and Glasnow at 410. I am locked the fuck in. Arguably game of the year. Yeah, I was saying my house could be on fire, and I'm, I think I'm just sitting there and watching. Arguable game of the year. Clayton Kershaw, who's had one of the best starts of any starting pitcher this season, goes into the trop to face the best offense against left-handed pitching. 
And then you have the freakazoid in Tyler Glass now making his debut against the Dodgers or baseball's best against right-handed pitching. This is going to be a battle of like, like um, what's that saying where it's like a, it's like a speeding train meets a unmovable object. You know what I'm saying? An unstoppable force meets force. an unmovable object. That's what we're seeing um, in Saturday in the Trop. I cannot wait. I love it. Um, Thank you. What do you got? Glass now, Glass now is going to go like five. They might tie. He might go five shutty. He looked so good in his rehab start. He was sitting 99. I'm going to go I'm going to go Rays in this one cuz Glass now five shutty handed over to the bullpen. They're in business. I, I think I think they can get to Kershaw for one or two and I like the Rays bullpen a little bit more especially right now. Give me the Rays in that one. Give me a galvanized raise. Give me Tampa with a fire lit under their ass. I'm so sorry, Walker Bueller, but raise to beat the Dodgers. I think uh, we see the first tie in Major League history. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. they they call it for uh, they call it for darkness in a dome stadium. Just too awesome. Yeah, get it. All right, Logan Webb against Corbin Burns in Milwaukee at 4:10. Mm. I like. <laughs> I like the, uh, I mean, the Brewers, like, Burns has just objectively not looked as good. But Logan Webb is just going to keep the ball on the ground. But I just have such a tough time believing in this Giants team offensively. Yeah, but I will like this re- a perfect start for Corbin Burns to kind of like kind of exactly. Yes. I will reluctantly take the Giants, but this is a game that there is no shot I'll have my money on it. How are, have you looked at the Burns splits recently? Like, how is he against lefties? I, the cutter should be beneficial, right? I would have to dive into it. We can dive into that next week. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the the Brewers at home. Corbin Burns get back on track. Kind of kind of weak lineup. I, I, I like I like the Brewers. Okay. Um, Saturday at four ten. Zach Wheeler and the Phillies in Atlanta against Charlie Morton. I got mine. The, the Phillies are getting a little bit hotter with that boom walk off. Trey Turner, big nuke. That yeah, sounds let's, great. Let's see them let's do it against the Braves. Do it against the Charlie Morton curveball. Yeah. Do it yeah. against the Charlie Morton. I, I'm going to go Braves. You said in Atlanta? In Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. In Braves. truest, Braves. Okay. Ten oh seven on Saturday night. I'm at, I'm not asking you to pick a winner. It's Edward Cabrera against Shohei Otani. <laughs> I want a strikeout total for Otani against the Marlins offense, and I want a walk total for Edward Cabrera against the Angels. I'm going nine Ks for Otani. I'm going four walks for Edward. Okay. I might not watch that game. Um, <laughs> you're going to watch, watch that it. game. I can't, I can't watch that guy pitch, man. It, I, no, you're going to watch Otani, and then you're going to flip on big inning when Edward's pitching. I'll watch Otani on the Angels broadcast. <laughs> just I, remote in hand. Just... Yes. <laughs> I, like and Edward Cabrera, like I, I, it's not, it's not personal. It's just, it's so hard to watch him pitch. It's so hard. Um, so you wanted the Shohei strikeouts? I want Shohei strikeouts and Cabrera walks. This is going to be the the state like Shohei like fight out of the slump kind of start. I think going to go eleven Ks. <laughs> I was going to go. I was going to go eleven or twelve. I think you just went eleven. I'll have you be the high man. I go ten. Can I go instead of walks, three home runs? Trout okay. hits two. Okay. Four walks. Okay. So you guys so are the going. Angels are winning this game like 15 to zero. And I, this isn't even me doing a doomsday thing. Like, I think the Marlins will 
salvage one in the series. He'll play. Ed, I couldn't think of a worse matchup for Edward Cabrera than 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 Mike Trout. Like <laughs> Edward Cabrera misses spots in the bottom of the zone, yeah. and Mike Trout prays every night. Is that, that your second yard card that does that? Is that your second yard card? You you pulled the yard card on Jonathan. I pulled the Jonathan Davis, Davis yard card. Night. By the way, that was pretty sick. Elite. Yeah, elite. that was that was an elite. I I just I just had a weird feeling. I had a weird feeling. Um, no yard card for Jonathan Davis. His like John Carlos Stanton close stance against that Shohei slider. He's gonna yeah. He's, he's, no, but yard card for Trout against Edward Cabrera. I'm going double yard card. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Um, all right, Sunday, three games. The game on Peacock at 11.35 a.m. Gavin Stone against Taj Bradley in Tampa. I'll say right away, I think Tampa wins this. Stone's start has been a bit concerning for me. Yep. I'm 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 very concerned about Stone because this goes back to the minor leagues. This goes back to what we saw this year. We talked about it on the call-up. Um, the stuff has not been there from the from the jump and triple. It's yeah. not like, oh, he's getting acclimated. You know, he's he was getting out because he's got a diabolical changeup, but the stuff, the fastball quality was not there. He's down a tick this year. And now to get called up and try to survive that way, I don't like it. One, I like the over in this game. But mm-hmm. two, I, I gotta go raise. I think they're gonna they're gonna feast on Gavin Stone. They're gonna make him get them out with anything other than the changeup. And and I, I think the Rays are going to have a really good plan against him, and I think he's going to run into trouble. I hope I'm wrong. I love Gavin Stone, but he just doesn't look like Gavin Stone this year. I got nothing else. Arm broke it down perfectly. I'll probably be on the over. Got yeah, I, remind me because I'll, yeah. I'll tail that with you. And I'm probably going to also take your two-home run thing with Trout. It's probably going to be like plus 2,000. Like I think it's going to hit. <laughs> Man. All right. Uh, Sunday at 135. Got two more. You Darvish and the Padres at Yankee Stadium against Garrett Cole. Um, Cole, the home runs are starting to bite him a little bit. Uh, the good thing is that nobody on the Padres is hitting home runs right now. Uh, I think the Yankees pull this one out. Um, I want to see how Darvish does. I do think it's going to be relatively low scoring. Um, I like Cole to pitch well, but at the same time, like Darvish with that many pitches, he could give the Yankees fits. Um, I think the Yankees win, but it's like a three-two type ball game against this offense right now. I think this is actually a bounce-back start for Garrett Cole, and that would have been a punch me in the face thing, you know, before the season started. If I said that Garrett Cole's bounce back would come against San Diego, yep. So I could totally see that. I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. I'm going to go Padres win. I'm going to say this is the worst team in Major League Baseball against with runners in scoring position. Horrible. They're not hitting home runs either, but that's the only way they're scoring is home runs. You're in Yankee Stadium against a guy who's susceptible to hitting home runs. If Darvish gives them a gem, they could you know, hit a home run or two, and that could be the difference. I'm going to be a contrarian here. I'm going to go Padres. Don't feel great about it. Won't put any money on that. But I, I, I think if they can get to, you know, they can get to Cole with a, with a home run or two. Hopefully, that could be the difference. All right, Chief. One more. Cease at Erod, Comerica, 140, Sunday, be there. Game's over already, Tigers. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's run scored. I think, actually, weirdly enough, I think Erod has a little bit of a tough start. I think the White Sox could jump on him a little bit. Say what you want about the White Sox, but they do hit left-handed pitching very well. And Cease just can't find the zone. So it's going to be like one of those really low totals that I think sneaks over. Not sure if I'm actually going to put my money on it on BetMGM, but... 
I think it could be like one of those seven, seven and a half totals that ends at like eight, nine runs where you're like, Tigers oh, are swinging it better. They are yeah, swinging they it are. better too. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't hate that at all. Um, what you got, yeah. Jack? No, one more quick thing. Cool. Hey, unless yeah. you want to finish that CC rod point. No, I was just going to actually make a, a plug for our so rare league because I, I finally have a full understanding of why the league exists, but it technically didn't start yet. So I was going to explain all that, but the turnout was awesome. Love that. Okay. So do that after this. I want you to pick a winner. I want the team name. I want no explanation. Pick a winner of this weekend series. The Rangers are in Baltimore. Who wins the series? Baltimore. Rangers. I go Rangers. That's it. Um, so, so rare league. Uh, this was like you were able to, the, the league launched. You can join with the link in our podcast description. And so when you set your lineup for the minors competition, it'll automatically enter you in our league. If you use the link in our description, if you already have a so rare team, click the link and I think it'll take you where you need to go. Super cool though. We had over a hundred people through in this like week zero test. Um, saw a couple people with some ridiculously good lineups. I shouted out the, the, the leader right now on, uh, on my personal Twitter. I forget it was, it was a funny name. I forgot it already. Um, but Really cool to see the turnout already there. A reminder that if you enter the limited competitions, you can win an MLB TV subscription. I saw some people that entered that as well. Same link. But if you enter the minors competition, you can also win just baseball merch and other exciting things that will be given out uh, as each week as there is a winner. As you're listening to this podcast, if it's Friday morning and you're listening, new competition will be locking at the start of the first game on Friday. If you miss it, not the end of the world. We're doing four more of these competitions and we'll probably extend it beyond that. So we'll be doing the league uh, even more so. Compete against Peter, compete against myself, compete against Jack. It's a lot of fun. Right now, I'm middle of the pack. Lindor's been ass. Give me one point yeah. this week. DRS, they don't give you points for that and so rare. So Lindor might not be the best option for me. Um, but draft your team. It's a lot of fun. Let us know if you join and... Know, talk your trash if you're doing well, because I'm excited to give out some some prizes. We got some new JB merch on the way, and some of that new merch will be going to the winners as well. And get some JB merch in the episode description. And the best way to support this podcast is to rate and review five stars, whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Hopefully, you guys all enjoy the weekend from Jack, from Aram. I'm Peter. And with that, thank you, everybody.